stop. Now I know that you fear the Lord. And Abraham had been a person who had struggled with fear his whole life. And finally, his fear was put in the right place. The fear of the Lord, the beginning of wisdom. And he had another trial in chapter 23, the death of his wife, Sarah. And it's fitting that as uh, there have been some deaths lately in the fellowship, um, we spoke about the hope we have, the hope we have in Christ. Thessalonians speaking, hey, I don't want you to be ignorant. I don't want you to be uninformed, church, that those who know the Lord, they are not going to precede us. They will, in a moment, a twinkling an eye, basically, we who, we're going to be changed and caught up and to meet them together with the air. They're going to be raised first and we will meet them in the air to see the Lord. So we will be reunited with those who are in Christ. And then we will together meet the Lord and be with him forever and ever and ever. Amen. Amen. Our hope. And it's amazing how the Holy Spirit, he knows all the stuff that's going on and here is we are just simply going through the word. These things come about. He's got a much better agenda than yours truly. He knows what he's doing with you, his church, his loved ones. And so I'm praying this morning that as we continue in the word in chapter 24, that his spirit would minister to you right where you are, however that is. He knows what he's doing. And so, Father, I come before you this morning and I pray for the the opening and the reading and the teaching of your word, that it would penetrate our hearts, that we would see how spectacular you are, how powerful, how wise, and how when we look at the scriptures on the surface, we see such richness, and yet we dig a little bit further, and it's just the treasures do not stop, and they testify of your son, and they point to you even in this passage we're talking about today. So we pray that you'd open up our hearts and our minds to where, we're, where we are in our walk with you and that you would speak truth into our lives, remove the fiery darts that the enemies fired at us, give us the uh, shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the gospel of peace, the sword of the Spirit. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So Abraham, verse 24, it was very old now. Very old now, and the Lord had blessed him in every way. And he said to the senior servant in his household, the one in charge of all the land that he had, everything that he had had, sorry. He said, put your hand under my thigh. Great beginning here. I want you to swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth, that you will not get a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites where I'm living, among whom I'm living. But, verse 4, will go to my country and for my own relatives, and, and will get a wife for my son Isaac. Abraham is very old, and he was 100 when Isaac was born, if you remember that, and, so, and Sarah was 90, and we read, we'll read next week that Abraham died at 175, so it's, he's between 100, 100 and 175 now, and so very old, technically, biblically, guys, is between 100 in 175. So when your wife asks you, do I look old or am I old? No. No. Come on now. If we just crack this thing open, we can have some valuable tools in our arsenal. Help us navigate the treacherous issues of life, right? 
of, uh, yes, <laughs> treacherous issues of life. But being that Abraham was very old and that Isaac, had, he had Isaac later in life, he's concerned that Isaac is, is not going to have that, that spouse. He's concerned that the, he wants to make sure that he has the wife and that the, that lineage, that promise will continue. And he says, I don't want a wife from among these people where I'm at. I want a wife from my own people, from my own tribe. And if you remember at the end of chapter 22, quickly flip, flip back there, we ended, if you remember at the, the, the story of the testing of Isaac, at the end of chapter 22, it just, at the very last part, in verse 20, it, it kind of just skips. 22 through 24, it cuts into this genealogy, and Genesis is, is the book of genealogies, and this is how the, the author has divided the book, a bunch of genealogies. He's letting know who, who did what, and it's based upon their family tree. And all this is pointing to Christ. But uh, if you read this, uh, chapter 22, verse 20 through 24, says sometime later, Ham, uh, later, Ham, uh, later Abraham was told, Milcah is also a mother, and she has borne sons to your brother Nahor. So your brother has sons. And verse 21 says you got Uz, the firstborn, then Buzz, right? And then uh, Kemuel, the father of Aram, uh, Kesed, Hazo, Pildash, Jib, uh, Jidlash, Lap, whatever, Bethuel, and Bethuel. And Bethuel became the father of Rebekah. And that's the one we're zeroing in, a, in on here. I forgot to do a slide. But uh, Beth, Bethuel uh, had two kids in particular that we're looking at this morning, and one is Rebecca, and one is Laban, Rebecca's brother. And so they had those sons, and Abraham, so Abraham's brother and wife, Milcah, had, had eight sons, and Bethuel is the one of importance because he had Rebecca, who will marry Isaac in this story. And so back to chapter 24. So Abraham entrusts this very important task to his chief servant, whose name is not mentioned here, but we know from Genesis 15-2 that his name is Eleazar uh, from D Damascus. And so Abraham tells his servant to put his hand under his thigh. And according to this ancient custom, basically the, the dis uh, the, this describes a serious oath. It, it's put your hand under my thigh. I don't want to get into the de details, but it's a serious oath. Uh, and uh, Abraham didn't know if he was going to live that, lo that long, and he wanted to make sure that this task would be completed. And so 1,200-mile journey he was going to send this guy on back to wherever he, he was. I don't know if it was up north or if it was at Erd or that he's sending him to, but 1,200-mile journey, they say, uh, to go find a bride for his wife, uh, for his son Isaac. And so Abraham had his servant pinky swear, so to speak. And so verse 5, the servant asked him, well, what if the woman is unwilling to come back with me to this land? Shall I then take your son back to the country you came from? Make sure that you do not take my son back there, Abraham said. The Lord, the God of heaven, who brought me from my father's household in my native land and who spoke to me and promised me on oath, saying, to your offspring I will give this land. He will send his angel before you so that you can get a wife for my son from there. And if the woman is unwilling to come back to you, then you will uh, then you will be released from this oath of mine. Only do not take my son back there. Whatever you do, 
And so the servant put his hand under his thigh of his master and swore an oath to him concerning this matter. The son of promise was not to leave the land. That was his inheritance. He wasn't to go back and, and possibly die in enemy hands or whatever it might be. And so uh, he's going to stay there. And now the servant was going to go get a bride from among Abraham's relatives far away. Verse 10. And then the, then the servant left, taking with him ten of his master's camels loaded with all kinds of good things from his master. And he set out for Aram, uh, Naharim, and made his way to the town of, of Nahor. And he had the camels kneel down near the well outside the town. And it was toward evening, the time when women go out to draw water. And this was the custom in those days. The ladies would have the chore of, of grabbing the water for the family. And so uh, we see this in John chapter 4, the woman at the well. That's what she was doing. She was out there uh, getting the water. And so it was a custom. But verse 12 says, Then he prayed, Lord, God of my master Abraham, make me successful today and show kindness to my master Abraham. See, I am standing beside this spring, and the daughters of the townspeople are coming out to draw water. Verse 14, may it be that when I say to a young woman, please let down your jar that I may have a drink, and she says, drink, and I'll water your camels too. Let her be the one you have chosen for your servant Isaac. By this I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. And so essentially, Eleazar asked God to guide through providential circumstances. Uh, often, but not always, this is not the way to go. <laughs> Generally speaking, uh, circumstances alone can be a dangerous way to discern uh, the desired outcome. And what's interesting is that we often attri attribute those circumstances that we don't like to the devil. You know what I'm saying? Oh, that possibly couldn't be from God because it's not going my way. And so we can easily be deceived in these things. But however, God does work through circumstances, obviously. But in this case, Eliezer, he established what he would look for, uh, what he would look for before anything happened. He wasn't making up the standards as the process unfolded. So, God, if this is what happened, then I know you're with me. So there you go. And so the sign would be that she would offer him a drink and that she would also water the camels. They had 10 camels. And, you know, I mean, you all know this, but camels, they can last a long time without water. You know, a long time. They can go a long time. And you know why this is? Because when they get around water, they drink a lot. They do. And they go for up to 20 gallons, they say. 20 gallons. And so 10 camels, you know I'm not the math wizard. 20 gallons, somewhere around a lot of gallons of water, right? That's a lot of work. And this really says something about the kind of woman Eleazar was looking to bring home to Isaac. Really, Eleazar cared nothing about the woman's appearance. The first thing, he wanted a woman of character, a woman whom God had chosen. And the trap in our age for our young people and even for us older people in you know, I think in adolescence, as, as people start looking at boyfriends or girlfriends in this, is that our society and our media has conditioned us on superficial values. To look on outward beauty, to look on personality, to look upon 
stature. And it negates almost character. Do you see how that, that happens in our society? How we look at, oh, that, they, you know, I want someone who's going to walk on the beach with me, who's handsome, who's tall, who's this tall, you know, and does these things and can do backflips and, you know. But are they truthful? Are they honest? Are they hardworking? Will they treat you right? Do they love you? Not affectionate love only. You know what I'm saying? We, we, just, we, we just breeze right over that in our culture. And so, godly daughters, listen to your godly fathers as they talk to you about guys. They know guys. They is guys. You know what I mean? A man after God's own heart is what will bless you and sustain you. Because guess what? Your beauty is fading. We're all moving towards ugly. I'm sorry. You know, I mean, whatever you want to talk about it. We're all moving that way, right? His beauty, her beauty will fade. It will go away. Your body his body will fall apart. It's going. Look around you. The statistics are, are like 100%. It's happening. What then? What then? Godly sons, listen to your godly mothers. They know women. They is women, right? They know women. They know what the best interest for you would be in many respects. Now, it's not going to be perfect all the time. We have exceptions to this rule where parents are, uh, you know, handicapped in that way, I'd say, because they have a background or lifestyle, whatever it is or not. But a godly parent, when you're looking at someone who trusts the Lord, who follows the Lord, is not perfect, but they are going to look past the outside attributes the world has, and they're going to look for the, your long-term interest in your life. Long-term. They care about you long-term. Guess what? They've been invested in your life long-term. Lots of dollars. Lots of time. Lots of love. Lots of heartache. Lots of mistakes. Many more to come, right? And so... Your parents probably know, they know beauty is fading and that feelings, they come and go. Married people, feelings come and go? Raise your hand. Boy, they, <laughs> don't raise your hand, sorry, some of you. Feelings come and go. Beauty fading, yeah. Those things that we, you know, might have gravitated to towards when we were younger, Boy, what we really need, what our soul really needs is the heart, the soul, someone who loves God, someone who has character, a man, a woman after God's heart. And this is what God's created us for. And so Eliezer prayed and asked for the woman to offer water, not only to him, but also to the camels. And this, these attributes come out in, in Rebecca. Now, we're going to see Rebecca, and she's, she's kind of, she also likes to deceive she likes to train people in the art of deception. We'll see this in a little bit. She's got problems. Anybody have problems? Yeah. 
But we see here she's hardworking. She's thinking of others. She's willing to get, have difficulty put upon her for the benefit of others. Great attributes for a godly wife, amen? Verse 15, before he had finished praying, Rebecca came out with a jar on her shoulder. You know what? I love that. Before you finish praying, you ever had those kind of prayers where you're praying and then all of a sudden, before you're done praying, God answers the prayer. I love it in the New Testament. You know, they are praying for Peter. God, oh, I mean, they're having a crazy prayer meeting. Lord, the church got together. Please get Peter out of prison. And while they're praying, guess what happens? Shook, the angel takes him, runs him out of the city, says go. And Peter comes, runs to the door and goes... And then Rhoda opens the door, and she's like, it's Peter. She goes, <laughs> they're like, oh, Lord, please deliver Peter. You know, it's like, hey, wait, it's happening. God's answering right now. Yeah, they, they finally go, no, that can't possibly be. We're praying for Peter. <laughs> While he was still praying, this happens. Rebecca had her jar with water, and she was the daughter of Bethel, son of Milcah. She was a relative, and we'll talk about how she, he finds this out. Who was the wife of Abraham's brother at Nahor? So he's reminding us of what we had just read in Genesis 22 at the end. Verse 16, this woman was very beautiful, a virgin. No man had ever slept with her. And I want to speak to that in our society. Young women, do not fall into the lie that giving up your virginity to someone other than your husband makes you more beautiful and attractive. Makes you more beautiful and attractive to people who are carnal and blown away and and messed up in their hearts. Or that somehow you're going to gain something by giving that away. That's why they call it losing your virginity. You give it. You lost it. It's never coming back. It's gone. Your purity is gone, never to return. In your virginity, your purity is part of what makes a a young woman beautiful in God's eyes. She was very beautiful, a virgin, had never known a man. Boy, that is just looked down upon in our society. Don't fall into that lie that you have to sleep around and live with someone to find the right person. That is a lie. And the church said, amen. A lot of broken hearts. You don't have to do that. This is a lie from Satan and endorsed by his children, by the way. Made to rob you of a journey of faith with God as he leads you to the one he made you for. God wants you to trust him for that. He wants you to deny yourself. And he will lead you to that person by his divine providence. Handpicked. We see it in the story here. In an arranged marriage, how God divinely was working. He works in all kinds of circumstances, folks. Ask, seek, knock. Don't give it don't give it away to anyone but your husband, your wife on your wedding day. You won't regret it. You won't miss out on the shame, the heartache, the drama, the diseases, the unwanted pregnancies, the hiding, the abortions, the guilt, the things that your heart was never meant to experience under God's plan. 
And as a young woman, Rebecca, she was very beautiful. And this was tied directly to her purity before the Lord. So parents, don't back down on this. Encourage them. Keep yourself set apart to God until that day he brings you a husband, a wife. And if you've failed in this area, the Lord can restore you. He will. That's what he does. But there will be scars. Always is with sin. Verse 16. And she went down to the spring. He filled her jar and came up again. Verse 17. The servant hurried to meet her and said, Please give me a little water from your jar. Drink, my Lord, she said. And quickly she lowered a jar to her hands and gave him a drink. And verse 19. And after she had given him a drink, she said, Hey, I'll draw water for your camels too. What do you know? until they've had enough to drink. And so she quickly emptied her jar into the trough, ran back to the well to draw more water, and drew enough for all his camels. And without saying a word, the man watched her closely to learn whether or not the Lord had made his journey successful. He's trying to discern the will of God here. He's, he's, uh, he's prayed. And God seems to be answering, but he's not quite sure yet. Things that there's some pieces missing in his, his spirit, his heart, his mind. She's a young woman. She's a virgin. She's offered water for him and the camels. She has character. She thinks of others. She's hustling, running back and forth, giving her best effort. And now he is watching, discerning if, the, if this is the Lord's, the Lord answering this is kind of how it goes when we're searching for someone to marry or looking at people, potential people for our kids. Praying, seeking, asking, seeing if things line up. Just trying to discern God's will on these things. Parents with grandparents, be praying. I mean, grandparents with grandchildren, sorry. Be praying. And says... Oh, so he prayed, and she offered him water. Sorry, I lost my place here. And now verse 22, yeah. When the camels had finished drinking, the man took out a gold nose ring and weighed uh, Becca, and two gold bracelets weighed ten shekels. And then he asked, whose daughter are you? Please tell me, is there room in your father's house for us to spend the night? She answered him, I am the daughter of Bethuel, the son of Milcah, born to Nahor. And she added, we have plenty of straw and fodder as well as room for you to spend the night. And so she offered hospitality. And just a side note for everybody there, this is the biblical uh, support for nose rings there in verse 22. But bingo, all the things lined up. Tanya. <laughs> got to cash in on this when you can. All these things lined up. She's a woman of character. She offered water. She offered hospitality. She invited him to stay. And finally, she was the daughter of Bethuel, Abraham's brother's son. He knew this was the one. This is what God was doing. This was it. In verse 26, 
It was confirmed in, in Eliezer's heart and mind. And then the man bowed down and he worshiped the Lord, saying, Praise be the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who has not abandoned his kindness and his faithfulness to my master. As for me, the Lord has led me on the journey to the house of my master's relatives. The young woman ran and told her mother's household all about these things. And so she goes and she tells mom all about what's going on. Pretty cool. But notice, the Lord has led me to this. He said the angel of the Lord would lead him. God is divinely working through these circumstances. Can he see the Lord working with his eyes? No, but it's happening in life. The Lord works with us. He leads us and he guides us as we pray, as we seek his will. He leads us. Often through difficult times, often through hard times, but the Lord is with us. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. Verse 29, and now Rebecca had a brother named Laban. And he hurried out to the man at the spring. And as soon as he had seen the nose rings and the bracelets on his sister's arms, and he had heard Rebekah tell what the man had said, he went out to the man and found him standing by the camels near the spring. Come, you are blessed by the Lord, he said. Why are you standing out here? I have prepared the house and a place for the camels. And so Laban, he sees the gold. And I don't know if there's a false motivation for hospitality there, but he says, hey, come on over. Laban's father is still alive. We know this, but Laban seems to be the brother over his sisters, and that was uh, a thing for brothers to do, to watch over their sisters, to guard their purity, to guard their best interests. So Laban, he he offers a a place to rest. Verse 32, we're going to hurry up here. So the man went to the house, and the camels were unloaded, and straw and water were brought for the camels, and water for him and his men uh, to wash their feet. So there was a whole bunch of people in his entourage there. 33, the food was set before him, but he said, Hey, I'm not going to eat until I have told you what I have to say. Then tell us, Laban said. And so he said, I am Abraham's servant. The Lord has blessed my master abundantly, and he has become wealthy. He has given him sheep and cattle and silver and gold, male and female servants and camels and donkeys. My master's wife, Sarah, has borne him a son in her old age, and he has given him everything he owns. He has given him everything he owns, a son. And my master made me swear an oath and said, You must not get a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites, in whose land I live. But go to my father's family and to my own clan and get a wife for my son. And then I asked my master, Well, what if she doesn't want to come back? And he replied, Verse 40, the Lord, before whom I have walked faithfully, will send his angel with you and make your journey a success so that you can get a wife for my son from whom, from our own clan and from my father's family. You will be released from my oath if, when you go to my clan, they refuse to give her to you. And then you will be released from my oath. Verse 42, when I came to the spring today, I said, Lord God of my master Abraham, if you will, please grant success to the journey on which I have come. See, I'm standing beside this spring, and if a young woman comes out to draw water, and I say to her, please let me drink a little water from your jar, verse 44, and if she says to me, drink, and I'll draw water for your camels too, let her be the one the Lord has chosen for my master's son. And before I finished praying in my heart, he was praying in his heart, Rebecca came out with her jar on her shoulder, and she went down to the spring and drew water. And I said to her, please give me a drink. And she quickly lowered her jar from, the, from her shoulder and said, drink, and I'll water your camels too. And so I drank, 
And she watered the camels also, and I asked her, Whose daughter are you? She said, The daughter of Bethuel, the son of Nahor, whom Milcah bore to him. And then I put the ring in her nose and a bracelet on her arms, and I bowed down and worshiped the Lord, and I praised the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who led me on the, on the right road to get the granddaughter of my master's brother for his son. Now if you will show kindness and faithfulness to my master, tell me, and if not, tell me, so that I may know which way to turn. Verse 50, Laban and Bethuel answered, This is from the Lord. We can say nothing to you one way or the other. Here is Rebekah. Take her and go and let her become the wife of your master's son as the Lord has directed. They obviously saw this. God is in this. He is bringing these two people together. Go for it. There's the blessing of the families. Verse 52, And when Abraham's servant heard what they said, he bowed down to the ground before the Lord, and then the servant brought out gold and silver and jewelry and articles of clothing and gave them to Rebekah. And he also gave costly gifts to the brother and to her mother. That's a dowry. You had to be able to show that you were able to take care of this person so they would give something of great value, of great worth to the family. Verse 54, And then, I'm sorry, and he and the men who were with him ate and they drank and they spent the night in there. When they got up the next morning, he said, hey, send me on my way to my master. It's time to go home. Verse 55, but her brother and her mother replied, let the young woman remain with us 10 days or so. Then you may go. But he said to them, hey, do not detain me now that the Lord has granted success to my journey. Send me on my way so that I may go to my master. Then they said, Let's call the young woman and ask her about it. And so they called Rebecca and asked her, Will you go with this man? I will go, she said. And so they sent their sister Rebecca on her way, and along with her nurse and Abraham's servants and his men, and they blessed Rebecca and they said to her, Our sister, may you increase to thousands upon thousands. May your offspring possess the cities of their enemies. What an amazing thing to, to be asked to go to see someone you've never seen and say, yeah, I'm going. And she went. Verse 61. Then Rebekah and the attendants got ready and mounted the camels and went back with the man. And so the servant took Rebekah and left. And now Isaac had come from Beer Lahai uh, Roy, for he was living in Negev. He's living in the south in the desert. And he went out to the field one evening to meditate. And as he looked up, as Isaac looked up, he saw the camels approaching, and Rebekah also looked up and saw Isaac. And she got down from her camel. And he asked the servant, Who is that man in the field coming to meet us? He is my master, the servant answered. And she took the veil and covered herself. And so Isaac was med- meditating in the field. And this word for meditate implies maybe possibly mourning over the death of his mother. And now Rebecca, he sees Isaac in the di- she sees Isaac in the distance, and as the King James puts it, puts it, she dismounted. Now some, they, you know, a lot of commentators say she fell off, but what it means is she got off her horse and bowed down. She bowed down. She covered her face with the veil. This was the custom. This will be important when we get to the story of Jacob and Leah. Verse 66. And then the servant told Isaac all he had done. And Isaac brought her into his, the tent of his mother, Sarah, and he married Rebekah. 
And so she became his wife, and he loved her. And Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. A lot of reading there. A lot of great stuff. Isaac loved this woman. He was comforted after his mother's death. You know, if you follow God's design for, his, uh, for family, it's very interesting. Just think about it for a second. Boys are nurtured, given nurture and love and comfort by their mothers when they're young. That changes, and that is to be handed off, obviously, in a different way to their wives. There's a, a, a passing over. Guess what, guys? We're never supposed to go without nurturing love and comfort, the things that mother gives. It's different now. We're still little boys, so to speak. God's designed us to have that our entire lives. Daughters, guess what? They need daddy. They need his love, his protection, his provision, affection, security. And it's much more prevalent in our, we can see this picture coming in our society when we have a wedding and the, the father gives away the bride. There's this passing from his covering to the groom's covering. She's so never supposed to go without that. And God has this crisscrossing, this beautiful way he designed family. Think about it and check it out. Yeah, there's, there's sin gets in there and things get messed up. Praise God we have Jesus Christ. Praise God we have a family around us to fill in the gaps. Amen? God knows what he's doing. You know, I love this story in closing for so many reasons. I love this story. This is one of my favorite stories. The story of a father sending his servant, Eleazar, which means comforter, by the way, which is the name for the Holy Spirit. John 14, 26. It's interesting that you, you can't find his name here, but you have to find Eliezer's name in, in other places. John 16, 3 says that when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own authority. He will not speak of himself. But whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you the things to come. The focus of the Holy Spirit is to, speak, is to point us to Christ, to speak his will, to speak his things, to reveal his things. And this is what the Holy Spirit has done and is doing, seeking a bride for his, the Son of God. And just as Eleazar gave gifts to Rebecca, so the Holy Spirit gives gifts to the bride of Christ. The gifts from Christ to his bride. They are hers. They are from him. Given for her edification, for his glorification. And just like Rebecca, the, the, the bride of Christ, by faith, agrees to be joined together forever with him. With a groom she has never seen. I love that. A groom she has never seen. And like Rebecca and her family, the world would seek to delay our journey of faith towards Jesus. I like what Donald Barnhouse, pastor, 
last century, he wrote. He said, if the world does not succeed in persuading the believer to abide in the world, it will seek to delay his exit. When you decide to go with the Lord, the world will applaud your devotion, but will say, don't rush. Abide a few days, at least 10, and then go. But nevertheless, the bride of Christ, his church, is on a long journey home to a faraway place that we've never been. But it is our home. The journey is long and difficult, but the prize is waiting for us. The Holy Spirit will one day, like Rebecca, bring us face to face with Jesus. And if you remember from Genesis 22, after Abraham's hand was stopped from sacrificing, it says that Isaac, what did he do? It says that Abraham went down from the mountain. And we, we asked the question, we left it there, hey, where's Isaac? Now Isaac, obviously he went down the hill with his father, but it doesn't say that. And we don't see him again until he's reunited with his bride. The Holy Spirit is doing this comes off the pages and is, it's living and alive. It's amazing. The picture of Christ and his bride and the Holy Spirit bringing us to him. It's interesting that Isaac has been mysteriously missing from the scriptures until he's reunited with his bride. Brothers and sisters, like Isaac, he will come and greet us and like Rebecca, we will bow. And he will take us into his tent, into his father's house. And we will have a wedding supper of the Lamb, and we will experience his love forevermore. I love that. Brothers and sisters, we are on our way. The Holy Spirit, he is here. The Lord is guiding us. We might not be able to see it, but he is with us. He is here. We have a long journey but the comforter is with us. He's given us gifts for our edification. He tells us what is from Jesus. He reveals his word. He speaks it to us. And in closing, we read it last week. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders in the sin that is so easily entangles us and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us fixing our eyes upon Jesus fixing our eyes upon home the author and the finisher of our faith for the joy set before him he endured the cross the scorning of shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endures such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Don't grow weary. Don't lose heart, church. Keep your eyes on the prize. The Lord is leading us. He is taking us. Rest in that. We all said, I'm going. I'm going. Like Rebecca, will you go? I choose. I choose you, Lord. I'm going. And we're on that journey now. It's going to take time. Hang in there. Let's pray. Lord God, 
thank you so much for this church. I thank you for the things that you have done in your church through your spirit. And I ask that your Holy Spirit would come and comfort this body now, this bride of yours, that you would strengthen her in reminder that you are with her, that you would lift her up and let her know that you are navigating the waters of her life and you are leading her home. Give us eyes to see this, Lord. Give us the heart to follow after you in that walk of faith, that walk of grace. I pray for those who haven't said, yes, I choose to follow Jesus. I choose to go be with him. I pray that you would make that a reality in their lives this morning. In the name of Jesus, amen.